All right. Well, hello and welcome to the first episode of the Pelly Podcast. My name is Jim Oosterhaus, and I'll be your host today as we welcome our first guest, Julia Steiner of the band Rap Boys, who will be performing on the 15th of August at Rockapelli 2021. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on the inaugural ep. It's very exciting. Of course, have to start it off in a, in a, in a big way. So we appreciate you taking your time to be here. And also, just to kick it off, because this is always fresh of mind for me, but as soon as I thank you for your time, I hear a certain voice in the back of my head, and it's Bernie Sanders, uh, <laughs> rap boys for their music. I feel like I could still hear that voice whenever, um, whenever I say that line. But just to begin with, just being with, a, being with your band, obviously, for so long, and creating the names, everything that comes from the inception of a band and your progression, how awing and just bizarre was it to hear not only someone so with such magnitude, but also someone out of the musical landscape, thank you and your band for your music. Yeah, that was one of the most, probably the most surreal moment of my life so far. Um, it was just to paint the picture. It was just a crazy day. We were in the Quad Cities. Uh, that's where the rally was held in Davenport, Iowa. And it was like a blizzard that day. So we just drove through this crazy snowstorm to get there. And um, yeah, it was almost like setting up for a show. Like we had a green room and we did our sound check and everything. But then, of course, it was uh, it was just very inspiring to be there and kind of be amongst all these people who believe in similar things to us and who, you know, really care about, uh, I don't know, uh, a lot of people in the world and what they're going through. So it was... It was awesome. And yeah, I had never been to an event like that, really. Um, and so it felt very special not only to be a part of that, like as a witness, but also to get to share our music there was a real honor. So yeah, it was great. Um, and I was bummed at first because I, I tried to like get a recording on my phone when he said that and it like didn't work. My phone like glitched out. I'm not <laughs> I'm not very blessed with like technological skills. Uh, but anyway, so we were stopping for gas on the way home and like my phone was blowing up on Twitter. And luckily our friend Chris Tucker had like found, like gotten a clip of that moment somewhere on the internet and like posted it. And I was so thankful because I was sure that that was just like lost to time, but crazy day, crazy day. Yeah. What a cool intersection for you all, both in terms of personal beliefs, as well as your band's yeah. progression. But at that point in time, I feel like Bernie Sanders rallies really were like, release radars for me, at least. I feel like I would see something on Twitter. Perhaps it was that same post from your friend, but I know a lot of different cool evolving artists played at his rallies and I caught on to some other artists through that avenue. So I'm curious also if there was any engagement or any sort of different fandom that resulted uh, after that rally. Yeah, well, I don't know about like people following us after the rally, but I... I can speak to kind of how we ended up there. And one thing that I found really fascinating about it is like his team, um, his like road team was very young and very like kind of interconnected with the punk DIY scene, which I found fascinating. Like um, the person who was in charge of coordinating these events, I'm not, I don't remember if it was just in Iowa or if it was everywhere, but he used to play in like a punk band that we had played shows with and was like kind of, just very active and like, I don't know, following bands uh, in the 
wider community that we're a part of. And like our drummer, Marcus, also plays in a band called Pet Symmetry. And they had played at a rally uh, a few months before we got asked to. And so it kind of, uh, he, he was just very, very down to like get all these bands who we knew supported Bernie, who, you know, aren't like huge names, obviously, but it, it kind of tied in with like the grassroots nature of, of the campaign itself. So it was really cool. And yeah, I don't know. We don't know directly like, you know, what the consequences were of that event, especially because like every, everything shut down from COVID like less than two months later. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely something that we'll remember forever. And it was a massive bucket list thing <laughs> to be able to play a rally like that. So it was cool. And just going off, you mentioned timing. I'm sure, especially after that moment, your band has to be feeling incredible and really wanting to build <laughs> off of that momentum. So being that, I mean, very quickly afterward, uh, we entered quarantine and the world just happened to shut down. I know for me personally, obviously, I would have loved to catch you all at a show sometime last year. But for me, you know, I was uh, within the, just like many others, within the restraints of, you know, feeling constricted and in solitude at home. But Truthfully, that album really caught me at a time where I was stuck indoors and didn't have much to do with myself or my energy, but the album was very explorative to me. It made me think a lot about spending time with others if I ideally could, being out, out and about and just the, the nature of aging. But I know no one would, especially last year, intend on trying to release an album that would translate well to those being cooped up indoors for a long period of time. But when you listened to your art last year within quarantine, how do you feel like it translated to a structure of not being able to go outside and spend time with others and see how you're changing within the world? Yeah, I it's funny that I'm really glad that it hit you in a good way in that context, because it's kind of strange and funny to say this now. But like we were intending for this album to like hit in a completely opposite way, like kind of our intention with this with Printer's Devil um, which is the record that we put out right before COVID happened, um, was to for it to be enjoyed in a room full of people. Like our goal was kind of to capture our live sound and basically have a record that we would feel stoked to sell at a show, <laughs> if that makes sense, because it, it sounds closer to what we sound like on stage. That was always kind of something we not necessarily like worried about, but just that we realized about our live set, or at least... Over the years, it's become more and more this way where we were like, oh, we've been playing these songs a little bit more like dynamically or passionately or something on stage and listening to the recordings, it sounds quite different. And so we were excited to try to make a record that like kind of bridged that gap a little bit. But and it's funny, too, because we recorded it in 2018, the very end of 2018. So it had been done for a while. And so when it finally came out in 2020, we were like so excited for it to a, finally be out and to like play it in front of people so it was honestly kind of like I don't know it was obviously it was very disappointing when we weren't able to do that right away but um I mean I still in I think it held up to a certain degree uh just listening to it alone the good news is like we we spent a lot of time and energy working on it um and so I think it's like the best thing we had made so far and it yeah hopefully held up in the context of sudden social isolation as well even though that's not what we were <laughs> planning at all but I'm glad you liked it at least 
I can say personally now that I'm actually going out and about a little bit and getting outside my own doors that it is translating certainly for me personally, both cooped up indoors and as well uh, out and about. So cool. uh, in that way, do you feel, Hell yeah. do you feel like there's some sort of rebirth for this album, perhaps for those who maybe missed it the first time around, but also for those who like me were used to listening to it indoors, but now we can finally soak it up in a live atmosphere or like you said, ideally being out and about with others. Do you feel like this is the second unveiling in a way of Printer's Devil? Yeah, totally. That's exactly how it feels. And it's something that like we've been, we've been rehearsing consistently this whole time, except for a few different, a couple little pockets here and there where the numbers were spiking really bad. Um, but yeah, we, every time we play these songs in the basement, we just get more and more excited to play them at shows, which, like I said, was like the original large intention. So yeah, we, I mean, we played a few of these songs on tour before the album came out and it always felt so good and people didn't even know them. They didn't know the songs and they were still like relatively into, you know, it felt like they liked them. So now hopefully the experience will be even more you know, satisfying and energetic and, you know, fulfilling in every way we were hoping uh, when we're back in the room. It's, and this, the Rockapelli Fest is going to be like, I think our third show coming back. And so we are just, we're going to, we're going to be so excited to be back on the stage. So yeah, I, I think it's going to rule. I definitely think so as well. And I can certainly confirm that on our end, we are just as excited as well. So the excitement is certainly shared yeah. and it'll be here sooner than later. But that being said, uh, I know you mentioned, yeah. obviously you're definitely itching to get back out there and perform, but you've spent so much time with your bandmates, just rehearsing and making sure everything's polished. But aside from the fact of being in a shared uh, enclosed space with hundreds of people, again, um, is there anything you're apprehensive about or perhaps more nervous about performing for a live crowd than you didn't experience prior to the pandemic that this might be something you're thinking about now that did not even cross your mind as a performer in, in uh, past times? It's mm, a good question. I definitely feel grateful now that I own my own vocal microphone. <laughs> I, I had it for like, a, I don't know, a few months. I bought it in like 2019. Anyway, I've been touring with it for a while, but I definitely don't take that for granted at all. Cause uh, there's a lot of like shared gear that happens on tour and yeah the hygiene the nature of hygiene on tour is definitely going to be a little bit more like uh you know we're gonna have to think about that a little more now I guess but um yeah I think the really the only thing that I'm kind of apprehensive about aside from the larger like COVID anxiety which we're all just gonna have to communicate about and be honest about but um yeah we just haven't gone this long without touring like ever since we've started so I'm, I think I'm just really eager and kind of, kind of apprehensive, but just eager to see how it goes, like how quickly it, we, you know, snap right back into place and like feel very comfortable again. I'm hoping and thinking that it won't take longer than a few days, it's like once we're back out on tour. Um, but even like with stage banter and stuff, that's stuff that I like very much do not think about or plan. It's like a stream of consciousness experience where I get to just be very present. And I'm just a little, yeah, it's going to be interesting to be back in that environment again. Like we haven't toured since July of 2019. So it's going to be, yeah, more than two years, uh, like of a gap. So it'll be, 
it'll be crazy just to to i think it's just going to be such an adrenaline rush to like be present in that way again uh and yeah <laughs> hopefully it goes well hopefully i like don't feel weird on stage but i think i think i won't i think we'll feel great after all that time you know i think honestly it'll be similar to to fans in a way of just obviously the hype will certainly be there but being in the crowd obviously it's still a hell of a lot different you know not being those performing but wondering how to govern yourself and you're interacting with others and just soaking <laughs> up that atmosphere that's been missing for quite some time so at least it's everyone's gonna be jumping back in at the same time but i think again just the eagerness to be back in a live uh, music setting for all will be just so exciting so hopefully it'll, it'll take two but i'm confident especially on uh especially on the 15th of august that'll go quite well hell but yeah being that you're gonna have to evolve back into playing live for you know a live audience i feel that your band in particular did a great job at evolving quickly for different platforms to be able to show your music and to resonate with fans uh, between obviously live streams uh, the patreon subscriptions and just being active on different socials Moving forward, now that we're going back into this live interactive setting, both for Rap Boys and also for music at large, do you feel that any of these platforms will be scrapped and that was, hey, that was a thing of 2020 that we used to get by? Or do you think this is going to try kind of change the fabric moving forward of bands interacting and performing for fans? Yeah, I mean, I hope, I definitely hope it's more of the latter. And that's certainly what we're planning. Um, we are excited to kind of keep doing the virtual stuff in addition to in-person touring because what we've kind of experienced over the last year and change is that like the experience of streaming <laughs> isn't necessarily a replacement for in-person shows at all it's more of like bonus content or like something an additional experience that is is so different that it it kind of stands on its own in a way um or at least it just, it like, I don't think it really can be spoken about in the same sentence necessarily as an in-person show. Um, although with that being said, like it's, it's really helpful to have um, like high production streams or even just like very DIY basement streams for people who can't necessarily go to shows all the time, whether it's a financial constraint or a physical constraint, whether you're in a wheelchair or you have like light, and sound sensitivities, anything, it's oftentimes very hard for people to go see their favorite band in person. So um, having something additional to offer people for free and uh, where they don't have to leave their house is actually, I hope, going to be a permanent like fixture in the music industry now. And we're lucky because, you know, Sean, Dave, and I live together and Marcus isn't too far away. So we're able to like make DIY streams from our basement at a very low cost, like basically for free. We just like invested in a couple cheap webcams and we already had a green screen around. So it's all very much like uh, homemade, like, you know, no, no frills, but it's cool to be able to do something like that, that feels extremely like hopefully accessible to people. And it's a cool way to connect, uh, you know, when like we don't get to go everywhere on tour like we're not playing in texas this year and boston and like places that we love going so it's nice to have a connection that doesn't necessarily replace live touring but it kind of like adds to it hopefully <laughs> That's yeah cool. absolutely but i agree i think it's great to remain accessible to all sorts of fans that maybe prior to the pandemic it wasn't as widespread uh knowledge yeah. that some fans are 
being prevented that opportunity to access artists they love because of these different mediums or hurdles. So uh, we all look forward to continuing to follow you all across many platforms, but that's great to hear awesome. in addition to being back to the live circuit. Um, in addition to playing Rockapelli on the 15th, you have quite a range of different tour dates coming up, including Riot Fest, um, yeah. just a, a short period of time after Rockapelli. I'm curious for you all, not only just jumping back into the, the live uh, music setting after so long, but just preparing yourselves both for a you know, smaller scale festivals, larger scale festivals, you know, plenty of smaller club shows in between. Is how do you keep yourself sharp and prepared just to deal with such different dynamics, but hopefully still portraying yourself in the same way that you want fans to be, you know, excited and jump on board with it, but knowing the structure is so different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we've never played Riot Fest, so that's going to be a new experience. And I think we're just, we're, we feel lucky that we kind of have a variety of songs that fit like different environments, if that makes any sense. Like we've gotten to tour with a bunch of different bands who sound nothing like each other. Like for instance, touring with Soccer Mommy and touring with Pup are very different experiences and they have extremely different crowds. So we, and for instance, Wild Pink, who we're touring with in the fall is like, kind of has more of an intimate vibe, like for the nights that we're playing after them and the nights that they're playing after us, we've been thinking a lot about how to craft a set list that like kind of leads into their set or vice versa. And even just depending on the rooms we're in, like like you said, you know, Riot Fest is like a big outdoor festival. So that'll be maybe a bit more like bombastic or like maybe we'll start the set with a bunch of songs in a row. So it's like less talking, things like that. We're just kind of, we practice twice a week. One day is old stuff, like rehearsing tour stuff. And then one day is new stuff. And on the old stuff days, a lot of it is like just trying different set list ideas and seeing which songs like fit together and you know hopefully we get to do like I don't know an encore some night so like thinking about that and we've even kind of like there's a couple songs on the new the record that we put out this year uh happy birthday rap boy that are a bit more like acoustic or folk based and we've been trying ideas of how to like amp those up a little bit for like bigger rooms or riot fest who knows so yeah we're thinking about it and we feel lucky that we can visualize a lot of these places that we're playing on tour we've like played at before so we kind of we have some idea of what it's going to feel like up there and then other times with Riot Fest we have like no idea so <laughs> we've played festivals before but never that one so it'll be cool to just get up there and do our thing. In terms of familiarity I'm, I'm really curious both in terms of playing at shows certain venues you've played before but also going back to a happy birthday rap boy first of all congratulations on the milestone for your entire band. Thank um, you. What was it like having the familiarity, obviously, of your own material going over the past decade, but revisiting it, repolishing it, you have different, uh, on certain songs, different band members playing in on it. How did it feel just to revisit some of these songs, perhaps in somewhat of a different lens, um, but obviously the familiarity of remembering uh, when you first wrote it and such and structuring it, but to this point now where you might uh, tweak it a tad bit or, or vice versa, just this point in time after so much time in between. Yeah, totally. I feel like for most of the songs, it was that experience where we had not touched them or thought about them in so long that it really was like revisiting them for the first time since we recorded them in 2011. So those were really exciting because Dave and I uh, had only worked on those like just the two of us. So 
it was really like inviting Sean and Marcus into the party and working them out as a band, which we had not attempted to do. Um, so yeah, it was fun. And it was also very low pressure for us because we were, it was during COVID. It was like, uh, you know, last summer, no one knew we were working on this and we were just doing, we did a bunch of it with our friend at his studio, which is like a very laid back environment. And then we also recorded a lot of it at home in our basement. So that was uh, great because it kind of like harkened back to the way we recorded the original versions um, in our college <laughs> dorm room. So yeah, it was very, it was honestly like, it kind of went better than I, I don't know if I was expecting it to not go well, but I, I was very happy and kind of, I don't know, I was pleased that it, it, I wasn't like embarrassed about any of the songs and it wasn't cringy. And yeah, it felt, it felt like they held up in a way that I, I was expecting, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to help hold up as well as they did. So it was cool. But then there's two of the songs in the set, in the record that we have like played in our live set forever since we started. So those two, which are the stanza and space blows, we were like kind of on the flip side, really excited to record because we had a very like set live arrangement. So that, that was like a bucket list to get those two down on digital tape. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. What a cool way also just to bridge the gap for some of your fans that perhaps yeah. just uh, jumped on board after hearing Printer's Devil, but then, you know, upon this year are exposed to 10 years worth of music that you all have also performed all together. So I'm sure for you all, you feel like you're really displaying yourselves in, in a wider variety to your, to your fans as well. I'm yeah. curious then, I, I know you mentioned a few songs that you're really excited to get, you know, digitalized or just to get back into playing before, but now that you are going to re-enter playing in a live setting, are there any songs perhaps that maybe didn't resonate quite as much before, or maybe you thought it was misunderstood to extent that you think now, well, I really want to really want to show uh, fans this song and see if it sticks this time around, or just one perhaps that didn't land quite as much in a live setting previously. Huh. That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think most of the ones that I'm personally really excited to play are ones that we like haven't gotten that much of a chance to play yet. Like most of the Printer's Devil songs, um, like we have the song Victorian Slumhouse on Printer's Devil that I selfishly like love. And the two or three times that we've played it live, people also seem to like it too. And so I'm like excited to hopefully <laughs> bridge that gap between me loving the song and hopefully other people out there feeling the same way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think as far as I don't know if there are really any songs that we've played live consistently that like I don't think landed well because I if if we ever felt that way we kind of like just didn't <laughs> really keep them in the set um but yeah I think I think it'll be just be really cool to play some of the happy birthday rap boy songs for people who like you said maybe had never heard them before uh who now have this reintroduction to them like the song collected we used to play back in the day and then kind of stopped and now that it's like recorded for real it I think it sounds so good and it's gonna make I think it'll make sense to play it now where people can kind of like have the lay of the land a little bit and like know what we're doing so yeah I'm I'm excited to get back out there and play some of those songs that people are like 
newly familiar with now. And just as a PSA for rap band, rap boys fans uh, everywhere, do you think that fans should fasten their seatbelts for now in terms of uh, material from happy birthday rap boy and also from printer's devil, or are you all at a point in time where you feel like you need to, or you're going to keep churning out new music, or do you really want to make sure that fans sit with what you've put out both in 2020 and also refurbishing, we'll say in, in 2021? Oh yeah. Um, it's kind of both. Like we definitely aren't rushing to like make a new record, but at the same time we are actively working on it very deep into working on it. It's just, uh, taking time. (laughs) So it's, uh, I mean, I love, we love recording and writing music and putting it out. There's like, honestly, kind of no better feeling than doing that. So, um, you know, like I said, with, Printer's Devil, we recorded that in like November, December of 2018. Happy Birthday Rap Boy, we recorded it in 2020, but you know, I wrote those songs 10 years ago. So there's like, you know, (laughs) at this point, two and a half years worth of songs that I've written for this band that uh, we're like working on now that we have not released. So uh, we kind of are, we are working through that backlog at this point. So I think our goal now, though, is we've been self-recording a lot at home and we're having a lot of fun working on these demos. And so uh, it's just going to take a bit of time to keep working on those and then figure out like where we want to go to make the next album and stuff. So it definitely we we won't have new music out again for a little while, but it'll it'll feel awesome to get these get all these songs that we have right now recorded because some of them start to feel old which makes no sense you know like ones that we wrote in 2019 that was the case with go outside which we put on happy birthday rap boy at the end like wrote that in 2019 and it feels kind of like an old song at this point but we've never played it live so it'll be awesome to do that yeah it's crazy to think of songs aging in a, a different rate than the yeah. that you do i feel like songs have like dog years and then you know <laughs> Here we are years later hearing something for the first time that's already been out there for a few years. That's a really interesting uh, dichotomy, but I'm sure it's relieving, especially once you could finally hear someone on the other end um, or, you know, absorb it for the first time. And I guess just with that dichotomy, I wanted to ask you a a quick question for uh, I go out at night, just in the sense of having a range and I guess not knowing where you fall in between. But I always think of the line, I'd like to know what nothing and everything feels like. I'm curious for you, um, mm. I, on that spectrum, where did, I guess what prompted that also, but I guess when I think about it, I wonder just what side of that spectrum I'm on and you're between two extremes. To me, I wonder if it's like between a, a sense of stagnancy and yearning for more, um, but also perhaps feeling overwhelmed and wanting less on your plate or something along those lines. But I'm curious for you, what what echoes that when you, when you sing that line and what does it mean to you both as a a songwriter as well yeah for sure I that is definitely one of those lines that just kind of uh like came out of my mouth and I was like oh that feels good you know what I mean I it didn't have whereas some lines and songs like I'm thinking of a person or like a time or a thing that happened to me uh so it's like more of a direct kind of meaning I guess but yeah that um that just felt really good to write. And it's one of those things that I kind of reflect on over time. I think 
at this point in time today, I would say to me, that line resonates with me in the way that I kind of flip between uh, just like the endless, like relentless pursuit of information, which I feel like uh, we're all kind of on, <laughs> but like the time that we live in with the internet, I'm specifically thinking of like Wikipedia and just constantly having this instinct to like learn about people I don't know and just kind of fill my brain with information sometimes feels really good. Um, I go after that and it's definitely like a desire of mine. But then on the other side, I often have a desire to just completely shut off my brain and like uh, no just have nothing going on um, or even just to meditate or get Zen or like I try to clear my mind before bed and it's really hard sometimes. So I feel like <laughs> the idea of knowing nothing is kind of the highest pursuit on the flip side. So it's uh, yeah, just pulls that I bounce between. I feel like I'm not unique in that way. I think we're all kind of on that uh you know path but yeah it feels good i don't even, i don't really know what it means i think that's what it means well either way it really landed with me and i'm sure with countless other listeners nice. but i think the way that yet yeah, to express that that dichotomy it certainly resonated and even if it you know was more intended or just by process of you recording and singing it's gotta yeah it's gotta be um exciting to know that you come across that way or, you know, that you find something that's really, hopefully audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Obviously you all it's spend... cool to hopefully, I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say, oh, hopefully no, no, people no, can no, latch almost... on to each other and yeah, it feels good. In terms of uh, all the time you spend with your bandmates, obviously, I know you mentioned that you practice a few days a week, you've all known each other for a while. In addition to, I'm sure just the roller coaster emotionally of getting ready to re-enter the touring circuit putting out uh, new music the past two years. Is there anything that you all do together just to maybe just to um, push aside that your bandmates and just be friends or just be, you know, be within each other's presence also that helps you maybe clear your brain of, of, of nothing, you know, on a day that you might be stressed out with everything else going on within the industry, but how do you separate yourselves as both bandmates and as friends? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's something that uh, you kind of develop over time, for sure. I'm trying to think of, like, specific things that we do. Um, but <laughs> it's just kind of, uh, like, at a certain point, the purest relationships, I feel like, in your life are where you can just completely be yourself or just even sit in silence and um, everything's cool. You feel completely self-assured. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like, we you know, we share meals together all the time. We like do, we all love going out to baseball games and stuff. You know, we do regular friend stuff. It's very exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dave and I became friends right when we met. Um, yeah, like more than 10 years ago. And Sean and Dave had known each other for a long time. And I met Sean around that same point as well. So like we've all, we've all been, uh, very like close friends for a long time so we just I don't know feel very comfortable around each other and then meeting Marcus in 2015 or 2016 shortly after I moved here um just instantly had a feeling of like comfort and familiarity around him too I feel like there's just a certain kind of 
I don't know, I just got really lucky with meeting my bandmates because we're all just kind of down to earth and view the world in a similar way where our first instinct when we meet someone would be to be friendly and nice. And uh, not that other people aren't like that, but we just, we, yeah, have like the same kind of outlook on life, as cheesy as that sounds. So it's easy to be in a band with these guys. And I feel really lucky for that because I've been in a band with other people in the past where it's not quite as easy. And that's nothing against them, but it's, it's, uh, it takes time sometimes to find like your people, you know. And also, uh, just within such a, a rich uh, music community like Chicago, um, clearly you all have done a great job at resonating with a wide audience and playing in a variety of great venues and, and fests over the years. But as we know, a big part of the Chicago music scene is word of mouth and paying it forward. So, are there any shows, perhaps, that you and your bandmates are looking forward to going to here in the late hmm. summer or fall? And also, if not, if there are any bands in the Chicago circuit you'd recommend to um, Rockapelli listeners or uh, festival attendees out there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. I, the good news and bad news is that the, most of the shows I'm really excited to go to, or a lot of them, are like sold out, which is awesome, but kind of frustrating, too, because I missed the boat on a couple. But yeah, so um, there's a band called Moontype who put out a really awesome album. Uh, oh, was that this year? That was this year. Yeah. <laughs> I get very confused about 2020 and 2021 at this point. It all feels like one large time period. But um, It's like March 2020 dash. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So I believe they put out their new record like right around March of this year. Um, but Moontype, all one word, they have a release show at Sleeping Village, I think, like July 16th or 17th. That will be amazing. Uh, the new album that they put out is really, really cool. Um, let's see. I'm a huge fan of Case Oats. They played at the Hideout, which is like our last Chicago show. Well, our last show in general, uh, before COVID. And they've been working on a new record. Um, they're playing at the Hideout outside. I think they might end up releasing more tickets if it ends up, uh, like if they change the capacity limits at the Hideout. But um, yeah, July sixth, I think. Case Oats at the Hideout she Casey from that band is just like a poet she <laughs> writes the funniest most clever lyrics and uh also like very emotional so I'm a huge fan and uh they're actually going to be on our virtual tour twitch show this week so I'm excited for that yeah but a uh, little plug there yeah <laughs> but um yeah no but yeah so um I'm trying to think too I mean there are so many awesome bands. I'm thinking there's a tour that's happening this fall with Ohm and Deeper, um, who are two amazing Chicago bands who are going to be like co-headlining out there. Uh, they both put out excellent records that came out last year in 2020 that just like everyone else, like didn't get their due because uh, of when they were released. So if that tour is coming anywhere near where our listeners are, I would highly suggest <laughs> going to see them. But... And then, yeah, I mean, anyone who's interested in just kind of taking a deep dive into Chicago music should just check out Super Records, S-O-O-P-R, and dive into their catalog, because it is all over the place in the very best way. And uh, Namdi and Sen, who run that label, uh, they just have insane, amazing taste and make incredible music on their own. So that is definitely our kind of our... Uh, 
like kind of pole in the ground like that's where we start um with chicago tunes for sure i will say one of my last shows uh last year was namdi sen and la 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 at sleeping village and just seeing yes. the three of them collaborate on each other's songs and just inter- intersect so organically throughout that set it really was something that um was quite memorable especially when all you're doing is thinking about past concerts you went to over the last you know yeah and changes you mentioned so i'll definitely emphasize that plug as well but i look forward to diving into your other suggestions as well hell yeah cool yeah i know la 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 is a great one to mention too because they're she's working on a record now i think it's probably finished so that'll probably be coming out soon so that's something to keep an eye eye out for yeah well it's good to know then yeah i'll definitely have to keep an eye out for that one um but yeah, so knowing that there's so many artists who are eager to release new music, I'm sure it's going to be in a very eventful rest of the year oh, yeah. for new music in Chicago. 100%. I do have one more uh, question to leave you with here as um, hopefully this won't divide the path too much. But as you mentioned <laughs> that you and your bandmates enjoy going to baseball games, and I know you've worn a Cubs jersey and a past music video, but I have to ask, does the band lean more on the Cubs side? Does it lean more on the Sox side? Or is it more, I'm just happy to be here at a game type situation as well? Because there's certainly a place for that, especially in a, a long day at a baseball game. Yeah, man. I'm definitely in the last camp that you mentioned. I I grew up in Kentucky without any major sports teams, like any pro teams. And so when I moved here in 2014, and I've always loved sports. So like when I moved here, my attitude was like, oh my God, there's like six now that I like get to watch. So or five, however many. So I have always been a Cubs and Sox fan, both, which I know is a little bit taboo. Um, it was a little, I was leading more Cubs when I first moved here just because they were like suddenly doing well and then they won the World Series and I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Sean, our bassist, is a huge Cubs fan. Even though he grew up on the South Side, he, for some reason, has always been a Cubs fan. I think it's like a family thing. I don't know. But then Dave and Marcus are both kind of... Marcus likes sports more than Dave, but is also kind of like me, where he's ambivalent. Likes it all. Just happy to be there, like you said. And then Dave is kind of indifferent to sports. Um, so he kind of goes along with whatever we tell him, which is great. So, um, yeah. we are, And Sean, by no means, is like a Sox hater or anything. So... We're all kind of uh, like riding the fence there, <laughs> which maybe isn't a very like acceptable thing to Chicago natives, but or purists, I guess. But we like going to the White Sox games because they're cheap and uh, they have better food. And at this point, their team is so much fun to watch, even though like everyone's injured. So, and their games are like free to watch on TV, whereas the Cubs have gone behind the paywall now. So I'm leaning socks these days. Just got to be honest, but we'll see. What about you, Jim? I will say I'm actually uh, similar as, as you mentioned for Sean. I'm a Cubs fan, but I grew up on the South side. So, but now uh, I nice. live for a while in, in Lakeview, but so I was in a little bit more familiar ter- territory, but in West town now it's a divided, divided neck of the woods and a divided apartment. So either way, I'm just trying to get by, but Hey, for the sake of Rockapelli nice. in Northwest Indiana on August 15th for once again, for a plug for our sake, uh, there's going to be a lot of Cubs and Sox fans being that there's no native team in Indiana. So I think, uh, you answered that perfectly for those that will be in attendance. So 
people will be happy campers either way when it comes to baseball at your show on August 15th. But once again, we love it all. Yeah, exactly. Nothing but love. That's all you can ask for these days. But regardless (laughs) of uh, who uh, roots for which baseball team, we just want to say once again, we're so appreciative of your time uh, and so appreciative of your time as well as the rest of your band here in just under two months uh, when you all play on August 15th at Rockapelli. So Julia, once again, it was such a pleasure to talk to you and I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Psyched to see that the podcast is launching into the sky. Very exciting. And we can't wait for the 15th. It's going to rock. <laughs>